Hey friends, welcome to this Quest Rewind. Rewind because we're not just going to be going back in time on this one as far as the dates of the games that came out. We're going to be going back a couple of months ago when we actually talked about Mass Effect 1. And the reason that we're doing that is because next week, folks, we will be talking about Mass Effect 2 from the Legendary Edition. We got that thing the day that it came out because it comes with Mass Effect 1, 2, and 3. Especially with that first one, they managed to fix a lot of things that, personally, in my case, I was not a big fan of. And it's nice to be able to just go back in time now with no pressure, right? Because usually, when a game comes out, especially with something like Mass Effect 2, there was some hype because of the first game. And I feel like, as a gamer, you had to love the game, right? You weren't able to say it was overrated, underrated. When the hype train is real, there's this level of pressure and expectation that you have to be able to enjoy it. How dare you not like something about it? So now, having full access to the trilogy with the DLC and everything, I think it's uh, the perfect time to be able to enjoy a lot of these games. We've been talking about the Xbox 360 for a little over a month now, even though for many of us, I know this is going to make us sound old, we may be going into denial if we ask the question of, is the Xbox 360 a retro game console? And I'm just going to let you breathe there, breathe. It's going to be okay. Look, it's going to be okay. I'm just going to throw something out there because I myself struggle to consider the PS3 and the Xbox 360 as retro consoles. Now, that being said, when talking about the GameCube, when that came out, to me, the Super Nintendo was undoubtedly a retro game console, and I feel like the general consensus was also that. So let's just sit back and think about the fact that if we are up to the point of the PS5, and we're talking about games that came out on the PS3, that is also two generations back. And that just means that we're getting old, people. We're getting old. It's unfortunately happening. But yeah, my name is Juan Velas. I am from Puerto Rico. In this throwback episode, I will be joined by Ryan from Boston and Keith from London, Ontario. And before we just go over to the episode, as a host, as part of this uh, badass team, I really just want to be able to thank all of you because Quest Rewind is a very different format from most podcasts out there. I've already said it before, we've dedicated five episodes to the Nintendo 64. We're doing this, and very soon you'll find out a hell of a lot more about the upcoming seasons. And really, we just want to be able to have this uh, this uh, time-traveling package. Right now, we have a lot of people doing the hashtag 10-year-old challenger, something like that on, on Facebook, and people are comparing pictures of themselves now as opposed to back in the day. And podcasts like this are pretty awesome because they almost force you into reliving sometimes because I don't know if you're like me, my memory is awful to the point that even as I'm playing a game, I'll have to write down notes about character names, about missions or something. Even with Mass Effect, I had to be very mindful as far as what was happening in the story because I forget about names. I would just go back into the same room over and over again. And having a podcast where, in my case as a host, I have to do research and I have to travel back to something like, I don't know, 2013, 2010 or something. As I'm looking at the highest rated games, in this case, you know, we just did the top rated games for the Xbox 360. There, you're looking at an entire generation. And there are so many games that I completely forgot that I either played or beat or something like that because... 
Sometimes you only remember the tippy top on your personal experience, but then you forget about so many other games. And hopefully by us doing this podcast, everybody just kind of has that, that switch where maybe you haven't thought about Mass Effect 2 or like the previous couple of episodes, maybe one of you played Osir's Wrath, which is a very underrated gamer, that 50 Cent Blood in the Sand, which is actually backwards compatible now with the modern Xbox consoles. And make sure to join the Discord. That is going to be the best way to be notified of whenever we have new stuff. The next quest, the next series of episodes is going to be about a particular year because we didn't just want to have every season or quest be focused on a console because it can get a little monotonous, right? Because, oh, okay, well, I don't care about the PS3, just in case I, I very much do care about the PS3. That's an example. I'm just saying, if you fall under the pattern of only covering consoles per quest, that gets a little dull. So maybe in the future, we cover a genre or something. So as always, Quest Rewind on Twitter and Facebook to be able to reach out to us. And now, without further ado, folks, we're traveling back to, I think this was 2021. Like I said, I'm really bad with stuff. I'm really bad at remembering. But let's go back and talk about Mass Effect 1 from the Legendary Edition. A couple of months ago, we got a legendary trilogy of games that were re-released, and these games were super huge back in 2007 and onward. Because when talking about Mass Effect, I mean action RPGs. You go back to the history of Bioware, and it feels like when they finally landed here, it's a masterpiece of a, of a trilogy, of a series, that even when eventually we got to things like Andromeda, people were so disappointed, but it's because when you, when you put it in context of just how significant Mass Effect is, the same way that people have tattoos of Mario, of Link, of Zelda, and all that stuff, people also love and worship Mass Effect. So now that we actually went back recently and played Mass Effect 1 as part of this uh, trilogy, what do we think about it? We are going to be talking about that right now on another exciting edition of A Cast of the Past. And after we are done with this review, stay tuned to the very end, people, because we got some future of the podcast stuff. We got some serious stuff, people, that we got to talk about. So you definitely do not want to miss that with yours truly, Juan Velas. I am from Puerto Rico. And now, Keith, it is finally happening. Like, Oh. Ever since we unleashed this ep this a podcast, we had basically two games or three games that we had to cover: a Link to the Past, a Silent Hill game, like whichever one for Ryan, and Mass Effect. And this one kept getting yeah, bumped for like two to three buddy. years. So from London, Ontario, Keith Hamilton, Keith, give me give me your feels. How how are you? It's finally oh, happening. I am so excited that we were talking about Mass Effect today because depending on what day you catch me, I will either tell you that my favorite game series of all time is either Metal Gear Solid or Mass Effect. I I am one of those people that worships these games. And when the Legendary Trilogy was uh, announced late last year on N7 Day, I was so excited about the fact that like I basically my first thought was now you don't have a reason to play this and you being Juan and Ryan from Boston, Massachusetts. <laughs> and the fact that you, like, there's no excuse. We are playing this. You got away with KOTOR, because here's a little behind the scenes, folks. We were supposed this is to personal, play Knights yeah. of the Old Republic, and this mm -hmm. is personal. Personal enough that I am airing dirty laundry on this oh, show. Yeah. <laughs> we were supposed to play Knights of the Old Republic back in 
2019, I think it was. But they're like, oh, oh, it's so hot. Oh, I don't like it. Oh, Thank God no. we moved on. That's all I'm going to oh, say. Yeah, Thank no. God we moved on. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'll cut my losses there. But Mass Effect, it is happening. I love this game way too much to not like just talk about it on this show. And here we are. The day has finally come. It really has. And then we have Ryan McNulty. And Ryan, in your case, like uh, you're definitely the Zelda, the platformer guy, survival horror. This seems to me, at least like, you know, as a friend, this is like the lesser of the genres that you tend to play, right? Yeah, I'm not a big RPG guy. I mean, I, I have played like some action RPGs like Skyrim, but who hasn't who hasn't played Skyrim at this point, uh, considering you can get it on a toaster, basically. <laughs> now, yeah, the truth is I did play a teeny bit of Mass Effect 1 years ago, maybe a couple of years after it came out. Um, me and my buddy Chris, we, we were playing maybe about the first 45 minutes of it, and then I... We just kind of moved on because, you know what, I will say this, it's not really the best game to just play with your buddy because I think you really want to sit down, you want to take your time. It's about the story, yeah. Yeah, you want to sit down, you want to take your time with the dialogue, you really want to understand what's going on. And when you're with your buddy and you're playing games, you kind of want to just get to the action. And the intro definitely lends itself to more world building and things like that. So that's why we kind of just said, oh, let's just play another game. And then I never went back to it. Um, so yeah, it's definitely an area where I, I have a lot to to catch up on, and I'm glad I was able to play this finally. And we do got to point out, like uh, this game, the the first one that we'll be talking about, came out in 2007, and wow. Okay, so we got we got just a couple of games that year, like a Call of Duty 4 Modern Warfare that that was released around that time. We got Bioshock One, Portal, Team Fortress Two. <laughs> Uncharted, uh, Uncharted uh, 1, uh, Halo 3, Super Mario Galaxy. So needless to say... Just a even couple though, games nobody's ever heard of. <laughs> exactly. It's like, it, it's not... This one was not overshadowed by those, right? Uh, to, to, to be quite the contrary, this game excelled. And, you know, when Mass Effect 2 came out, people just could not wait for it. But just think about that, right? You got a Call of Duty. You got Valve over there. You got some PS3 exclusives. And this game, the first one, did not come out on the PlayStation 3. So that's even no. another challenge. Yeah, this an, game it was excelled. an Xbox exclusive um, at first. And it didn't come to PS3 till way later. And I was just doing some quick research as you mentioned that. But I think one of the biggest compliments you can give Mass Effect is the fact that it came out like two weeks after call of duty 4 and people were still talking about it it's insane to think about the fact that we got two of some of the biggest games ever in like a two-week gap of each other exactly and and in your case i'm super curious about this you know the same way that ryan loves Silent hill and and he can really share his passion for that why over it's been over a decade you know well over a decade since this first game came out and even before the Legendary Edition was announced, like you kept telling us, you got it. This is a game that even if not for the podcast, in the case of Ryan, you know, that didn't f uh, finish it. And in my case that I beat two, but I didn't finish one. You kept talking about it. What makes this game so special for you? For me, it's this is the game that just mastered storytelling where and they really build upon it in the uh, in the subsequent games. But it's 
not just because b- before that you had your like your oblivions and stuff like that as large rpgs it was your story that you were going around but this is the story of like it's a preset story of commander shepherd that you get to interject your choices into and honestly as much as i love mass effect i didn't play it for a couple of years until after it came out because i didn't own an xbox 360 at the time i only had a ps three i think until like 2009 ish so then i just kept hearing about how great mass effect is and how great like it is for people that loved knights of the old republic because it's kind of like bioware made their own star wars game it's like a mix between star wars and star trek kind of and just everybody raved about it so i needed to check it out when i got my xbox 360 i think it was like one of the first games that i bought for it and then was just immediately hooked for that reason the fact that I've always been a bigger fan of predetermined stories and the fact that you could interject your choices into it. And it's it's the little no things he likes that wrestling. happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've been watching it all my life. I imagine it is no accident here how those two connect in my head. But the fact that you, and then it just changes and then your decisions matter in the game. And that's something that they really, really hyped up that the fact that your decisions matter and what you do can affect the the games that come after it. I thought that was such a novel concept. And something that I really liked is that, ironically enough, you know, you, you talked about Knights of the Old Republic. I actually played Knights back when it first came out. Like I, I didn't finish it, but then I also played Jade Empire. And for a quick trip down memory lane, Knights of the Old Republic 2003, Jade Empire 2005, and Mass Effect 2007. And I, I do feel it's fascinating to look at like the evolution of the development that you wouldn't have Mass Effect were not for the other two games because the whole mm-hmm. like decision-making, storytelling part of these games was in all of them. But I would love to take this to to Ryan because Ryan and I did start to play Nazi of the Republic. It's not that we had a 0% playthrough. It's like there were certain concerns that we have, yet with Mass Effect, that didn't happen. So Ryan, in your case, if the question was, what did Mass Effect three, uh, Mass Effect One do so good that maybe you didn't keep your attention in Knights? What would that be? I think it, the two core things for me were number one, the combat system being action RPG was just immediately much easier for me to grasp the whole concept of it, and it just felt a lot more natural. But I think the most important thing without question, was just knowing what the hell to do because the journal would help you and actually the journal was actually useful and you know if you missed a beat about like where exactly you were supposed to go it was very clear with the journal what you're supposed to do next i like how the missions and the assignments which are more like the side quests were nicely divided so i knew okay what's the main quest and and what's what are things that i can do if i want to but i know they're not required so that being all clearly laid out for me made it much easier. I think the number one reason I ever give up on a game is just flat out not being not knowing what I'm supposed to Same. do and and have it not be very yeah. clear. And I think this game did a fantastic job so I never felt lost more than a couple minutes when uh, playing it and I could get right back on track and go through the game smoothly. Uh, so that was huge. I always considered Mass Effect to be 
the smallest, biggest universe in video games where you're on this huge scale, like a, an entire galaxy. It's an illusion. But it's a lot of hallways in a galaxy, and it's always very... You, you always know where you're going, and I really appreciate that about the gameplay. Yeah, sometimes linear is a good thing, and I appreciated it. When you would land on a planet, sometimes you'd be like, oh, God, am I going to get lost here? But, I, you know... People want to joke about hallways. I don't care. I appreciated that a lot. It's what you, know? you do in the hallway that counts. Exactly. What does that sound wrong? That's what they tell me. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but it's it's true though. Uh, <laughs> before we keep going with that, I would love to do two quick things. First of all, Keith, if you could just summarize the story of Mass Effect, and then for context, the three of us did play the Legendary Edition, and that's a conversation in a, in and of itself because for so long people said. Okay, you got to play Mass Effect, but but start maybe at two because one is maybe a little bit rough. Yeah, this one addressed a lot of things, but what is Mass Effect? Mass Effect is the story of Shepard, later on Commander Shepard, where you are sent on a routine mission uh, to go check out a space colony of humans, and then you're uh, you're you're being tagged along by somebody because you're looking for like a space promotion. Basically you're looking to be like a, an elite space agent and then things go awry and you find out that another elite space agent is after you and doesn't want you to achieve your goals. And then that's all that that's, that's like the most surface level version. Then things go crazy from there. Then we start involving things like giant world destroying, monsters known as reapers and having to save planets and galaxies it's 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 just wonderful I, it's honestly hard to explain at such like a high level because number one because i never do depends. this it's always it's always ryan and really i'm suffering for that right now and <laughs> Putting then, you on the spot yeah this is your, <laughs> this is your show this is your wheelhouse today you get to do the story well, what, I, what i do want to say about just sitting back yeah. and, and letting keith, <laughs> okay, keith take the tag wheel me in, keith keith tag me in, tag <laughs> right, me in. i'm tagging you in but before okay. you say that i, I want to say that the it's I've always considered Mass Effect to be like the story of your shepherd, right? Because yeah. even though you have the certain plot points that you need to hit to progress through the game, you do them in such um, like it opens up in a way that nobody's going to have the same two stories. Like in our first playthroughs, I imagine we all took separate paths and we all did things differently and we all got different dialogue options. And even though we ended up in the same place story wise, it's the journey that's just so great about mass effect now i'll tag you in and that's what i wanted to say because something that i really liked about this game and for context it's like i did play two first and then this one right so my my questions were how much do my decisions actually matter and knowing a little bit of the story in the second one and i'm not going to spoil anything right because we really do want everybody to experience it but there were a couple of points and I'm like, oh, okay. So if this happens in the first one, that technically couldn't happen in the second one because X and Y scenarios are different. So that led me to think very carefully about some decisions. And there are some times where if you're not creative, hey, maybe somebody's no longer going to be a part of the world. Maybe you can be a good character or a bad character. And if you want like a surface level story, like the one that Keith laid out, if that's all you want, you can kind of get that. And and your your commander Shepard can reflect that, right? It's like, don't give me any of the background. I'm just here to do the mission. But if you do want to get a lot deeper into the story, 
it's pretty much up to you. And the game does reward you. But even then, you can choose to kind of be like an, an asshole if you want, or you can be the hero. But even then, there's still some gray areas. And that's what I like about the game, that never did I feel clean, right? At the end of the day, it's it's a battle between not even good and evil. It's a battle between different parts uh, of the entire galaxy and the humans can't always be the good guys, right? So I really did appreciate that, that because you play as a human character, you're kind of like, man, we are assholes because we just try to take everything over and everybody else has had to pay the price yet. I'm here trying to be the hero, even though I'm killing off your people. And I, I like it when a game doesn't make me feel perfect. I, I have to sit down and really think about some decisions. Did you guys relate to that? Oh, yeah. There's a couple of times where you're just sitting there and going like, oh, I guess I'm going to choose this option. And then you feel stressed about it. You hit the button and you see what happens. Yeah, I liked that. And, and I don't know. I didn't read anything about what decisions would do what. I just said, I want to go into this and just make the decisions that I would make. And what I liked about it was that I didn't feel the need to do something like a Red Dead one where it's like, oh, do you want to be the outlaw? Or do you want to be the hero? I felt more obligated, like, okay, in certain situations, depending on the context, I'm going to be more of a lenient, nicer person. But then in other areas, I'm going to push hard. I'm going to be a dick if I need to be a dick, if I feel like the situation calls for it. So I just kind of played it like that. So some areas... I took the more asshole route, some areas I took the more hero route, and in the end I, I felt like I got a satisfying ending, so I don't feel like I was punished for being kind of a little bit of a mixed bag. Mm -hmm. And I respect the purity of that because it's, it's one of those things where you, you really get that experience once because when you start thinking about and start learning about the math behind the 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 the, the, the decisions that was hard to say <laughs> you got it, made a you poor got decision it. saying the decisions you like you almost start to lose that ability to do it knowing that there are certain dialogue options that only unlock if you're a certain level of paragon or renegade like when i my experience playing mass effect these days and replaying it uh in the legendary edition was very much that like i knew the route i wanted to take and i knew what i needed to do to make sure that those decisions were available and it almost becomes a very much min max experience so I'm curious because uh, for those that don't know too much about the Legendary Edition, don't think that it just comes with the first game. It actually comes with the first three. And the, the game that came after, BioWare's kind of like, hey, that, that was the thing, but that's not part of the package. If the question to Keith, because Ryan and I are not the people that can answer this. If the question was, why was it so important, not for two and three, why did one need to be remastered? Because they definitely did a lot of stuff. Why would that be for you? Oh, yeah. One is the game that they touched up the most in the Legendary Edition. And there's kind of two answers that I always fall back on when recommending it. It's A, because the HUD and gameplay in Mass Effect 1 is borderline unusable, and they spent a lot of time making that and vastly improving that in the Legendary Edition. And really, when you think about playing Mass Effect... And uh, in 2021 and beyond, 
it's kind of almost an unwieldy process because not only do you have to figure out how to play the games on the old system, but in a lot of cases, actually, I would say an argument could be made for all three games is that some of the best stuff in that game happens in DLC. So now you have the Legendary Edition that not only has all the games, has all the games touched up, has all of them rebalanced to be a more enjoyable experience, but you have all of that DLC included in the package as well. So you are getting the best experience possible with a, an, an amazing franchise all in one package. Like in my opinion, unless you already own it or you're going for some weird purist thing that I wouldn't recommend, there's no reason not to play the Legendary Edition. Now think about this value and then think about Skyward Sword HD. <laughs> right, so it's, like, it's yeah, 60 bucks, but you gotta get the let's Amiibo, get, right? Let's get three games, all remastered, all DLC, all together for $60 or one game. <laughs> and they did a lot of retooling because... Kind of like uh, the experience that Ryan and I had with Knights of the Old Republic. The reason that I stopped playing the first one back in the day was because I love the story part of it. That was never a thing. But then when you actually had to like play the game, I'd be like, oh, this is not great. But then I played Mass Effect 2 and they clearly changed a lot of that stuff, like in the mm -hmm. original versions. But there was always that thing of like, Juan, you beat, you beat number two, but the story had a beginning yet it got to the point that even on the uh, original ps3 trilogy i think they did they didn't even include the game it was like a like a summary of the story they started it to was do a lot a, of summaries a comic it was like a visual novel because they couldn't include the first one so it's like hey here's a 20 minute summary of everything that happened here are the big choices you have to make um that's what's going to be reflected in your mass effect 2 save so good luck but I remember a lot of people saying, hey, you've never played Mass Effect? Actually, do the comic thing and then play two. So that was very telling. Like, you're telling me to skip an entire it's game true. in a yeah. trilogy. No, honestly, before the Legendary Edition came out, I would have been one of those people as well. Because playing Mass Effect 1 was very much a... Hey, see where this starts, play it on easy, play it on soldier, because it's the easiest class to start with, and just get through it and get to two. But now I don't feel that way at all anymore. That's good. And I actually want to take this to Ryan, because it's very easy for somebody like Keith to be like, why you should play this now, right? This is your thing. Same thing with Ryan and Zelda. But in your case, Ryan... If you, coming from a more casual background when it comes to this type of game, if I were to ask you, like, should somebody play this now? Somebody that's maybe like you. You come from a, like, a history of Nintendo games. You know, this is not necessarily your cup of tea. You have story. You have action, decision making. Would this be something that you recommend based on your experience? Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, I, re I recommend it already to a friend who's played Knights of the Old Republic, but he's never played Mass Effect. So that's it's a little more in line with his style, but I still would recommend it to anyone. I think I'm kind of glad I held out as long as I did because it feels better to me to play through all three of the games than to do like the comic for Mass Effect 1 and then just play 2 and 3. Like having played it through on this this version, not really knowing how bad or, you know, the, the 
the not so great things about the first one, it was nice to be able to say, okay, now I can go play the trilogy and it's like a fun experience because I couldn't even tell like where the bumps were along the road. I just remember hearing something in like the old IGN review and I saw if there's a lot of background noise, someone's doing all this. Uh, they, they hate yeah. you eventually, man. Uh, seriously, yeah. we doing have to like, oh, you can't gush about Mass Effect today. Yeah, we have just basically a whole landscaping thing going on right across my right outside <laughs> my window. But that's whatever. Um, but I remember hearing something about like, I don't know if it was something to do with like surveying planets or whatever was really annoying in the first game. And I don't know what those I remember like a review about something like that. There was some really tedious sections about Mass Effect. I don't know what it was, but I'm guessing they took that out because I didn't really feel like there was anything too tedious in this game. So Yeah, because yeah. that's really all side quest stuff anyway. And it's not the best still, but they just they it's almost like they hit it where you don't have to engage it unless you really want to. And and this is something that usually we talk about the game specifically, but I do want to use the legendary edition as an as an example because Ryan, you mentioned something great there. That's you didn't really b- beat the first game back in the day, but you have the legendary edition. So hypothetically, the option is there if you just wanted to keep on going with two and three, and you don't have to worry. Kind of like how Keith said. I mean, yeah, well, we'll eventually talk about that because yeah, otherwise I mean, I Keith want will to. punch us. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to wait. Honestly, I'd be, you know, willing to. Let me keep tell playing. you, <laughs> as somebody that played the entire trilogy, knowing he is just talking about Mass Effect One today, I think it's yeah. A great we got we got to point that out. So <laughs> the whole concept was okay, guys. M E One, the number one. Keith is like, I'm gonna play all I can't three. Stop. Yeah, no, exactly. Like, what I did was I finished Mass Effect 1 and then I'm like, okay, main menu, click 2, yeah. here we go. <laughs> like, so, I, okay. I got some other games to play just for like my other channel, but I actually do like already want to be like, okay, once I get that out of the way, I might actually just start too, to be honest with you. Now, so. the question was, Ryan, what what tempts you to be like, I got to play the sequel? Is it the, the story? the ge- Like what about it persuaded you? Yeah, I feel like this game and, you know, Keith already related it to Star Wars, but this very much felt like, you know, a new hope to me where, okay, they neutralize the main threat at the end, but you know, there's like the empire, if you will, still exists. You know, it's still out there. There's, uh, you know, some impending doom, sort of almost like a Game of Thrones, like long night is coming kind of impending doom. So I kind of want to see it through. Plus, it's interesting to me that, you know, there at least there came a point in my game where you had to choose between whether one of your squad members, you had to choose which squad member was going to live and which and which one is is not going to make it. So it's interesting that obviously that character would not carry through to the next game. So that's kind of interesting to me like what characters may not make it through the next game uh so uh, i'm very interested in that mm-hmm. and i are think we doing spo- story can... spoilers or oh yeah okay. this is this okay okay, is, okay at least we, we're, we're, pointing we'll it out. we're just pointing it out we'll right now it. people we don't get in that not with the whole trilogy okay we're not we're not keith mm, yeah we're focusing on the first game yes now i never really made that connection even though i did call it star wars is But it is very New Hope-like, isn't it? Because you have the threat that you're chasing throughout the um, like throughout the entire uh, game, and then there hits a point where you realize, like, oh, that's 
he's not anywhere close to the main baddie. He's very much like, a, oh, there's actually this evil empire that you need to take care of. And I loved that moment, that big reveal on Vermeer. So, yeah, may- maybe that's what maybe that's mm-hmm. the core of why I love Mass <laughs> you know, Effect so much. You know what so flipped <laughs> the switch for me of like, oh, this is Bioware wanting to do Star Wars, but they couldn't do Star Wars was you obviously you have your like doomsday prologue but then when you go to the space station and you go to an underground bar to meet someone i'm like didn't i just do this in kotor <laughs> like, i was <laughs> like and it's, hours, still, yeah. it's the same like circular bar or whatever like with the round like whatever in the middle i was like I feel like I've done this before. <laughs> I think what works in the game so good is it's kind of like what you both mentioned that the game ends in a cliffhanger, but you want to know more because you do feel invested. Like uh, that part in the game, like there are some parts where you know what decisions you're you're making, like they, they will have an impact. And the fact that you're playing this as a trilogy, something that they did, they did a really good job is the little things like the character you made in the first game does carry over to the other version. So you're not creating a Shepard one, but then you're playing as another Shepard. Like you can do that hypothetically, right? But I love the fact that uh, I think we've all played games that they go a, a different creative route in the sequel, but it's still the same character. It's like, oh, but I, I made a decision and you kind of just ignored it. Oh, that's because you, you didn't get the real ending. It's like, screw real endings. I want a ending that can carry forward. And that's very difficult to do, right? Because we're talking about so many lines of dialogue. In your case, Keith, like without spoiling, the three of us had different experiences. And I mean, we could sit here talking about this for for hours, about the little things like how much just based on your knowledge of my experience, regardless of what you actually know was, how much of that matters into Mass Effect 2? It matters. So... There's kind of two answers again. There's big scale and little scale stuff. And big scale stuff, it all kind of plays out the same, but it's just like different notes. Like there are the big decisions in the game vastly affect the games that go forward as far as if characters are going to be there or not but at the same time the little the little stuff the little decisions that you make along the way those like have significant um impacts on the story going forward again with character stuff like there are key characters in mass effect 3 that might not be there after Mass Effect 1 and then entire storylines in the third game just don't exist because that character something happened to that character in um in Mass Effect 1 or there's another character where you can just be like no I'm not interested in having you in my party and then boom they're <laughs> like they're just gone for the rest of the trilogy you can never recruit them and they're another key person in 3 it's it's significant that way or even down to the side quests like there are side quests that don't see their payoff until Mass Effect 2 or Mass Effect 3 like it's it's all those little things that really make up like the sum of its parts you know what i really loved about it and I, I don't know if there's any other game that's made me feel this way. So any game with a party system, right? So you have different people you can pick and choose. Usually the same party that I would have for a fight, I would just take 
for the rest of the world. Like Final Fantasy VII, once I have my party, I'm not thinking, well, for this part of the game, I'm actually going to switch X for B. Yet in this game, if I would go to a planet, I'm like, oh, I got to have this character with me, right? Because we've been talking about this and it wouldn't make sense to bring this other person. And in, in, in the case of this game, even though there's like a large story, I found myself caring more about the little things, you know, the little dialogues that you see what happened that you're like, oh, if I had come to this planet without this character, this would have never been said because they, they're the only one that knew that. Like, did either of you, and I guess mainly in the case of Ryan, did you encounter yourself like thinking really hard about who you were paired with? Um, a little bit. Usually I just took a balanced team. I would say maybe one tiny criticism is sometimes because you didn't really know what you were getting into with some of these planets, you kind of didn't know what team yeah. to take. Um, mm -hmm. So usually I'd go with like Rex and like Garrus because I felt like same. They, That's the holy trinity, yeah. baby. <laughs> I just felt like that was like the balanced team because... They, they just covered all your bases, basically. Um, but sometimes if I felt like it was going to be combat heavy, I would take Ashley because she's straight combat. Um, but there was a moment where I was on the planet where you um, meet the sorcerer chick. I forget her name. Like Liara? Whatever. Or are you well, talking Matriarch Benezia? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I didn't have Liara with me, but then Ashley like talked to me like, oh, maybe you should take Liara or like something like that. Someone mentioned that. So I actually went back and put her on it because I was like, oh, I bet it would be interesting dialogue wise to see what happens. And mm -hmm. sure enough, you do get interesting dialogue with her there. So they the game kind of like hinted and that aspect. That was like the only time I felt like the game kind of told me like, hey, maybe you should bring this person. Yeah. And to your point one that you made, I think that's where a lot of the reverence for the Mass Effect trilogy comes from, where the story is what it is. Like, it's a very good story, but it's the character moments that are just so strong in that game. Like, the best part about Mass Effect, in my opinion, is your party and the ability to talk to all of those characters after the mission and learn more about them and see how they're going to interact during those missions, depending on who you bring along like there's nobody in that game that i would say like oh that person is a bad party member like they are not perfect characters and they all have their flaws but there's nobody that i just go i actively hate that person <laughs> What about Caden? <laughs> no. I mean, I never Kaden. damn about him. <laughs> yeah, I, I never he is so him. vanilla. He's he's the most white bread of the characters. <laughs> but even then, like it's a thing of if you get to know him, if you take the time to talk about him, you find out that there's like this deep trauma about him being a biotic and how he was basically like tortured as a kid and then had Whoops. to like break out of a <laughs> damn, break out okay. of like his. I never, Ryan, I never we, we gotta go him. back. Yeah. I, uh, might not be. I might we not. We got to bring some donuts or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or even yeah. like, what? I don't yeah, yeah. think I no! don't think I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Because too late. Oh, R.I.P. Ryan. I, I said but that son bitched out to die. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Did you hesitate or was it like? Obviously, so you gotta go. I sent like obviously. You know, when you get to that mission, you pick who goes <laughs> with um that that um 
species so the, or whatever the, yeah. the thing that we're kind of skirting around is there's a big choice in the game and i think this is like the choice in mass effect one where you're on one of the big planets there's a bomb you have to set off and then you have to choose to leave one of your squad members behind and that person dies and you have to choose between either ashley or caden i had keith choose for me because I was too coward to make my own choices. I'm just going to say. <laughs> really? <laughs> and you and you chose Caden, right, Ryan? Yeah. No, I no, chose Caden. Ryan chose to kill him. I chose to save yeah. him. I chose Caden yeah. to die, yeah. You're a monster. Are See, you sure about that? I, I don't think... I think Shepard, based on what happened the next night, I think Shepard agreed with my decision, <laughs> all right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, under, I understand how your Shepard plays. <laughs> yeah. See, my, for, for context, I played as female Shepard, so... That was not factored into the conversation. So my shepherd, I think, just went to a bar or, or something. I, I I don't know. It was just normal. Mm-hmm. No I, sexy I don't know time. No so, sexy exactly. time for your shepherd. No, nope. no, no paramour achievements. And see, I always lean the other way. Like I'm not going to disagree about Caden being a very vanilla character, but Ashley, for me, was one that I disliked the more that I talked to and it's not because she's a bad character but because she's her character impulsive. is like she's very impulsive and she's super racist. I was about and to <laughs> say I felt I did feel a little weird because towards the end of the game I decided I was like oh I, I don't feel like I've made enough like conversations with my squad members so then I went down to the like bottom of the ship and I was talking to everyone and I started talking to Ashley and she was like super, she was coming off like a little <laughs> racist uh, about like the aliens and stuff. And I was trying to be positive about it. And then like later on in the game, there was just a cut scene that kind of made it seem like there was something going on there. So I just kind of leaned into it. But I was also talking to Liara to see if I could like build a relationship there. But it just didn't it didn't really go anywhere. Like I tried to talk to her again later and she just had nothing new to say. Yeah. So that's I kinda, one of the mechanics of the game. Like that's where yeah. you see the code behind it, where if you choose, yes, there's a relationship with one person, it cuts off for the rest of them. OK. Yeah. So, Keith, in your case, you know, we can sit here and talk about all, all the great things, but Let's focus on the Legendary Edition, right? Because we can go back and forth. Despite all of the improvements, if you were to pick out a specific thing that still, despite some of the improvements, didn't age or just isn't as good in general, like what would that be for you? For me, in the first Mass Effect game, I still hate the gear system in that game and how much of a slog it can be to upgrade your weapons and upgrade your armor because it's one of those things where it's very much a old Bioware style game where you're just picking up loot constantly mm -hmm. and you have eight of the same pistol uh, in your inventory. And, and it's, it's forgettable. Just, it's, it's such so, a it's tacked on forgettable. thing. Exactly. And you can, they, they almost, and I understand why they made this choice in the Legendary Edition, but they almost made it worse because now you're able to equip every 
type of weapon, even if you're not like a specialization in it. Like as an example, in the original release, if you played anything other than a soldier, you could only equip certain weapons like an adept, which is more about powers, could only equip a pistol and like a vanguard could only equip like shotguns and pistols. And it was more specialized to the yeah. class. But now you're constantly micromanaging all the weapons for your shepherd and then micromanaging your party. And if you're like me ev and taking everybody dependent of uh, what mission it is, you're constantly managing all of their inventories. And I think it's a huge chore in that game that is just so unnecessary. They fix it later on, but in Mass Effect 1, I just I bounce off of it every single time. Yeah, I do feel like I was picking up loot like so often because like electronics Everywhere. is such an important stat because you just keep doing those little button press games to just get mm -hmm. more and more and more. Um, so I, you know, obviously I was mostly focused on Shepard and just making sure I had all the best stuff. I mean, they kind of jip you on armor. I ended up just buying armor from like a shop and that was the best. I got like a Titan armor or something like that. And I just used that for the rest of the game because I never came across anything better. I'm sure I could, I'm sure I could have bought something if I looked hard enough, but um, I mostly focus on Shepard and then I would only like upgrade the other party members if I took them along with me. So I wouldn't worry about yeah. somebody else yeah. unless I just happened to land on a planet and then have them with me and then I would catch up with all their gear and stuff. But it did get a little bit cumbersome to deal with. Um, and then especially because I was just capping people with the pistol all day, it didn't really matter what my other weapons were. <laughs> so which uh, during your playthroughs, which classes did you guys play as? I assume I just was soldier because that was like the stat I could build up at the bottom. Uh, okay. I don't know. Uh, yeah, like my I don't primary weapon I actually of choice don't even was remember picking a class at the beginning. Yeah, same, same. same. <laughs> yeah. Like, and uh, I'll, I'll be honest, like uh, at the beginning, what's the game so hard? It's like, all oh, right, Juan, you level up. So you got to like, you know, spend the talent points. I just kept playing and I forgot about that. Mm -hmm. And it is the most forgettable in the first game. So I don't blame you guys for it. And I think that's one of the yeah. best early experiences that you can have in the game. So I, I was just curious if that's something it, that you guys even noticed. It did. You no, know, I mean, I used the stats for sure. Every time I leveled up, I would do my stats. It just felt like you could max things out like very easily. So I like maxed out the pistol and then I had especially the the uh, like versus synthetics boost it was like so good because like you were fighting the geth like all the time constantly yeah. so it just felt like i was like two shotting them so easily all the time so i just mm -hmm. stuck with the pistol most of the time except like the rare cases where i like i wanted to use the sniper rifle i almost never used the assault rifle at all like i was yeah. just pistol and sniper basically the whole time the balancing in that for the Legendary Edition was a bit weird because in the original release, so there were 60 levels in the original release. Yeah. And if you did like everything in your first playthrough, you would only get to level 30. So you would only really have access to half of the talent points, but they rebalanced it in the Legendary Editions. So they made sure like you get all of them in that first playthrough. So yeah. it became very much an instance of the talent points are very important at the beginning of the game but trivialized by the end of it because you yeah. have everything you want and you're just throwing the rest of them in there yeah. just so you spend them exactly i think for me when when talking about the first like i can't help but compare because not only did i beat the second i mean i didn't i never played the story of the third but i mean keith you and me in multiplayer how many hours did we play on that 
on PC. I probably have two, three hundred hours in Mass Effect Three multiplayer. I let me tell you, <laughs> I reinstalled that version of Mass Effect Three just so I could try multiplayer again. Like, let me I, tell I would, you, it's I still pretty good. Totally play that, yeah. Because Ryan, just so you know. They removed that from the Legendary Edition, so that's why you can still buy Mass Effect 3 and they still promote it on Steam and all that, but it's because they removed the multiplayer part. So on the gameplay side of things, I know what this leads up to, right? And this first game, like I'm just going to tell you, Ryan, as a game, game, gamer to gamer, is if you thought the action in this game is like decent, it is nothing. Like It is amazing to me. If if you look at a game and just how it built upon different layers and it gets better, I'm like, holy crap. Visually, it looks the same, right? You're like, oh, how can this actually be so different? But with the other ones, I felt, a comp- I felt compelled to do all the updates and upgrades and all that stuff because on the gameplay loop, it changed completely. Like, just to give you an idea, Mass Effect 2, I will barely use a weapon. So that's a dramatic shift from this first one that I'm like, man, I'm using these weapons, but eventually... I know that that's not the only option. And even though, yeah, you can press the shoulder button and yeah, you can command and all that. This felt like a story game with shooting and other mechanics. And I feel like eventually, if you want to stay a little bit farther away from weapons and focus more on abilities, they did a really good job. But I know it got good. So I'm not talking about that necessarily as a complaint, just like it is something that maybe didn't age well. Mm -hmm. And this takes me to something that I would love to to just chat among with the three of us when when you say retro gaming and we've had this topic but when you think of the word retro like what is the the latest generation that you're willing to accept as a retro i think i would accept the xbox 360 ps3 genre or generation as retro because i'm not I'm not fully on board with the PS5 or uh, the new Xbox yet. I don't have one. So to me, PS4 is still current gen. So anything beyond that is retro. Um, I would actually say that I feel like what really feels retro now is like the GameCube PS2 Xbox original era because the PS5 generation is like still so new. It still feels like most people are living in a PlayStation 4, Xbox One world, and then we're only looking one generation back right now. So I feel like we're on the cusp of 360 kind of being retro, but I don't feel like we're there quite yet. But it, yeah, it is for, entirely subjective. <laughs> for for me, I'm I'm kind of on on Ryan's boat, but then you look at a game like this, and yeah, it's like it's a game that came out in HD, right? So it, it's always weird when you think of an of an HD game as old, but it's 2007, and people have complained about, hey, we're getting PS2 HD remasters on on PS3, like that was a regular thing that happened, right? It's like Ryan, you and I love Shadow of the Colossus. You know, there was that Ico Shadow of the Colossus collection, like the Ratchet and Clank. That that 360 PS3 generation was full of a lot of that stuff. But here it's a little bit different because we are a generation in between, right? Because we have 360, one, and where we are. So this is two generations back. And it does bring up an interesting concept of... Is it worth it to go back maybe a couple of generations and not just make the game look prettier? In the, in the case of this game, they actually made some changes, right? It's like some things that maybe Ryan would not have gone back and played this. I, I would not have gone back. If, if Keith told me, 
Hey, let's uh let's review ME1, the original game. I still have my original copy. If anything, for somebody like me, the reason I was compelled to review it was because I knew, oh, look at these changes. Okay, sign me up. So the question is, are you willing, open, or interested in maybe other companies exploring something like this? And are, are there any games that come to mind for you guys? As long as the game is an improvement like the great thing about the legendary edition is it leaves this instance where there's no point in going back to the original ones. Like it is the only thing that I would recommend going forward. If a company puts in that kind of work to make those remasters or re-releases possible, then I a hundred percent think that there's room for them. If, if it even just makes it more convenient to play that with current gen hardware, I am all for it. And as far as the one that I would love to see, because it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of in the same position as Mass Effect was before this Legendary Edition. That would be Metal Gear Solid for me, where it's, you need like a, you need to own different collections and then not all the games are available in it right now. And then, oh, well, you need to, buy the HD collection for Metal Gear Solid 2 and 3, but buy one on the PSN store. Or the GameCube, yeah. Or the GameCube, even though that game barely counts. <laughs> so if if they made like a Metal Gear Solid Legendary Edition where here is one, two, three, four, five, all in one package, even if it's like a premium price because there's five games in there, I would, I would consume that in a heartbeat. Uh, I can't think of any specific games off the top of my head but i i do think this type of remaster lends itself to we know there's those games out there where you're like oh man this game had so much potential if they had just fixed this part and this part it would be such so, uh, like a way way better game uh, and so like i'm sure people out there could you know let us know in the discord let us know in the comments you know, what are those types of games? Because I know there's tons of them out there where some games are unsalvageable, right? There's just, there's no, like, yeah. you would have to entirely change the game to make it good. But there are those games out there where one or two mechanics or some of the pacing just ruined what otherwise could have been an incredible game. And I think that was the case with Mass Effect clearly is... Keith, a hardcore Mass Effect fan, is literally telling us, skip the first game. But I think everyone saw the potential, which is why the series took off to the heights that it did. And finally, years later, they were able to clean it up and make it, you know, for someone who's never played the games, to make it extremely playable, right? Where maybe it's a little bit harder for you guys because you know what Mass Effect 2 and 3 are like. But for me, just coming in fresh, this felt like, there's really nothing wrong with this game. I'm just enjoying it. So, um, yeah. There, well, actually, there is one thing wrong, and I just want to say it right now. Controlling that stupid vehicle was a goddamn nightmare. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's so Let's much better now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The Mako. <laughs> <laughs> to... The fact that your time is even worse, holy shit. But I would say controlling the guns, like shooting the guns were really fun and really powerful, but actually trying to steer that damn vehicle was a, just so an bad. absolute See, nightmare. You I've hit never one little thing and the whole that. thing flips over. You know? I've never had issues with the Mako, and and there are a lot of people out there that hate that thing, and I think it's valid. <laughs> Does that get better? Does controlling that get any better? You don't have to worry about it. 
Yeah, what, uh, what if I told you they got rid of the they makeup? They just got rid of it. Okay. All right. You know what's That's funny, good. though? I got stuck. Like, when I say stuck, I mean, I had to reload my game three times because of the Mako. Three times <laughs> I actually got stuck within the ground. And I'm like, come I don't on. Get it. I already don't I, like you. Plus, you're I glitching me. I almost got stuck. I almost got stuck. I was able to, like, boot, use the boost to, to get out a little There's bit. There's a rhythm to it. It's easy. No, you it just sucks, you go forward, you boost, and then if there's any, like, angled terrain, you just hop over it with the jets, and then it's good. You don't run into any issues. So, but it can climb flat mountains. upside down sometimes because you hit one little piece of like you hit one every rock. Button. Yeah, oh, it's freaking annoying. Though. <laughs> but uh, something that I wanted to, to to say is, I mean, look at Dead Space, right? Uh, Dead Space recently they announced its remake, and it's like now it gets really confusing, right? Because this is not a remake; it's a remaster because it's still in essence the same game. You have. You know, Shadow of the Colossus is always going to be the best example of like the PS2 original, PS3 HD, and then the PS4 remake. So the, the assets are just like completely new. They are different, but the gameplay is still largely the same, right? Uh, I am interested in seeing like how Dead Space is going to happen. Have either of you played Dead Space, the original? No. I've played one and two, and I am very excited for that uh, that collection. Yeah, I love that first one. And I think, would you think Ryan would like it, knowing the type of games he likes? Ryan, you're not part of the conversation. I'm asking Keith about it. Do I own it? Do I get, did I get in that game collection? I feel like I need to look in my shelf and see if I own okay, it. Okay, okay. First world problems. Huh, we're talking about a game. You know, Do I own it? Do I own it? I, yeah, no kidding. I don't know if Ryan would like it, because if we're talking about the the horror game scale of resident evil versus silent hill it's very much on the resident evil side <laughs> i own one and two <laughs> <laughs> you're like oh look at that look at that <laughs> seriously though it, it is interesting because ryan <laughs> this just became a conversation about Ryan. <laughs> you it's know, the Ryan effect. McNulty, he's not into. Okay, seriously though, I'll play it. He's All right, from there's Boston your solution. The answer. I'll effect. play it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll there have to wait to see what happens. Whether we talk about the uh, original game or or the remake at some point down the line. So, uh, closing comments regarding Mass Effect. In your case, Before, Keith. Yeah. Before we get to the closing comments, I kind of want to do a checklist of your guys' playthrough. To I was going to say, can we get to the at? story choices, spoilers for ahead? Yeah. Oh, yeah, we can do yeah. it. Because there's some big stuff that happens in that game that has... Don't read into this too much because I'm going to throw a couple of curveballs in there yeah. of choices of things that may or may not have huge um, implications in the later... Um, in the later series, but just to kind of see what you guys yeah, just saw bring up in like the, the story beats and ask us like what we did in that scenario. Yeah. All right, the Rachni, dead or alive? Oh, I. So here's what I did. I at first I was like purge these mother effers, right? So I killed. I did the purge, but then I saved that one, like that one uh, yep. genius uh, at the genius end. One. Yeah, the the smart yeah. one, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Same thing. I actually felt like an asshole because I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay. I thought you were bad, and, and this actually goes back like to the original point that you're used to being good guy, bad guy. You're like, oh, you're yeah. actually kind of the, the the asshole now. Yeah, exactly. So 
That's that. I guess we both did the same thing there. Mind control. Uh, Tally, did you get her as a party member? Yes, the um, the robot looking chick. Yeah, the, yeah. the lady, the engineer lady. That's purple. Yes, I did get her. This is okay. I got I got a thing that I'm I'm concerned about because she was one of my main people in Mass Effect Two. Yet I don't know what happened where she's not in my party. <laughs> I guess you never well, met her. <laughs> guess you'll have yeah. It's totally possible. I I love it because she's such an important part of the series. But you can totally miss Tally in Mass Effect One. Yeah, and she's I did. Just not there. But but okay, Keith. All right, the, the question is, I I don't like where this is going, but. Can I still get her? You're gonna have to play two to find out. Ah, All right, damn it. Um, she was one of my favorites. Punch? Did you punch a reporter in your game? I did not. No. I okay. I talked to. I think it was a female reporter, and but then like the human people told me I like did well in the interview or whatever. Okay. Same. Yeah. I I revealed some information about that. I did punch another character though later. I didn't the reveal council. too much, but fair enough. I revealed that, everything. That's, that's I didn't a give good a way shit. to go. <laughs> how uh, how are the council in your place? I said screw the council. They were dicks to me anyway. So I said put all priority <laughs> on attacking the ship. I actually didn't do that because my concern. I, I can't just like answer it. I got to give some context. My concern is I know there's other games, right? So my my thought process was. What are the implications of telling the council to screw off, right? It's like if you're removing evil, there's usually an, an even worse version of that. So in that case, actually save the council. Um, okay. I felt like every time I talked to them and I was trying to be nice to them, they were always oh, yeah, they dicks. Sucked. They were always dicks to me. And I tried to be patient as possible. But then when a the threat of the world was happening or whatever, the threat of the space station, I said let's put all priority towards taking down the ship. But all at right. the end, I changed the representative. You do have that option. I don't know if that's one of Keith's oh, questions. So. Which, is, which is my next question. Did you make Udina or Anderson the Dude, my boy human representative? Anderson. I gotta Anderson. have my boy Anderson. I actually yeah. don't know a single person who makes Udina the rep. Yeah. Because who would? <laughs> it's, yeah. The guy is an asshole the whole time. Yeah. Why would you choose that? Yeah, and I thought Anderson died because I sent, like, he just, like, passed the guard and then he got shot, like, trying to push the button so that we could take off. Oh, so. I, I didn't get that part. I had him go oh. into the office. Oh, yeah, no, I had him just try to sneak past security. You Dude, you missed the scene. It's like he literally just punches the guy into the office. It's it's uh -huh. just so simple <laughs> because I thought it was going to be very elaborate cussing. Just he's in his office. He's like, okay, punch. Here we go. Here's the code. It's escape. Like, not elaborate at all. I loved it. <laughs> all right. I've got two more and then mm -hmm. a question yeah. to follow up. Yep. At the end of the game, you're you're at the, the council area. Saren pops up. How many times did you fight Saren? So, I fought Saren on... I only technically fought him once because I fought him on the, what is the Vermeer planet? Vermeer? Yeah. I fought him there and then I encountered him again at the like button or whatever, that uh -huh. that thing. But I convinced him to basically shoot himself in the head. Oh, yeah, you actually got that. you did. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then you do like the, the you fight the sovereign as like zombie Saren or yeah. whatever. Yeah. 
Well, so you so were a lot like, nicer in your run. Yeah. I get, yeah, I got enough. I think I got enough of the blue text yeah. that I could basically get him to just shoot himself. So I did I avoid a whole boss fight by doing that? Yep. You did. Because, <laughs> nice. yeah, one, you fought him twice, you you uh, hinted at there. Yeah, exactly. Because then he kind of like transforms into like this weird beast. But yeah. I saw the options grayed out. I'm like, oh, I, I wanted to have that option. So, yeah. You, <laughs> yeah, you got that's the kind of interesting like the ending. big. That's the big um, dialogue check in that game. Like, that's the one where the math comes in the most, because if you either have enough of the Paragon bar or the Renegade bar filled out and you have all of those points unlocked, then that's when you have, or I mean, like the skill points unlocked in the dialogue stuff. That's when you have access to that game or into that option. Is in the, the game. Renegade option also he shoots himself or? Yeah, but it's okay. more of like a, you're a dick. You screwed this up. And he's like, yeah. yeah yeah, I did, and then just shoots himself in the head. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it, it's something that was a lot harder in the um, in the original, the original yeah. release, and they kind of streamlined it by giving you access to all those points. But I'm happy that they did, because in my opinion, that's one of the coolest things you can do in a game. Just convince the final boss, like, you suck. And he's yeah. like, yeah. That has to be the speed run route. <laughs> <laughs> 100%. <laughs> And then finally, maybe the most important decision in the game, because it feels bad if you don't get the option. Talk to me about Erdnot Rex. Oh, oh okay. So I gotta be I gotta be real here. <laughs> Rex was one of my favorite party members in Mass Effect 2. So when I got to the part where a decision had to be made because I hadn't put enough points into the dialogue tree. The only choices were, yo, Rex going to die. I legit Ooh. went back to a much older save and <laughs> grinded the hell just so I could actually get the option to save him. Because to me, it's like, I can't negotiate that. He's got to stay alive. So I was able to persuade him. But the first time he, he did die. Oh, I, I was able to convince him no problem. So I think I must have taken a pretty heavy Paragon route then because... That's what yeah, I'm thinking. I, I was using that blue dialogue to keep him to keep him uh, on our side. So I got I got my boy. He was one of my boys. I couldn't I couldn't let him down. You know, mm, it it just feels so bad to shoot him. I I think you made the right decision. One nice. plus it's finally, the way that wait. it happened. Oh oh, Go to ahead. save him. That's right. Never mind. You you did save him. Yeah yeah yeah. <clears throat> So fine. And then let's like end with a bonus question. You had me explain the story at the beginning of the uh, the episode yeah. as people that have only played one and mostly Ryan on this one. What can you tell me about the Reapers? So they were this machine like race that wiped out the Protheans, right? Which were like some former advanced civilization that started the whole council, right? And that whole spaceship thing that you're on, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, there, there's no wrong answer yeah. here. Just, just keep that going. That's basically what I think I understand. So they're just like this machine race that thinks they're like superior and they somehow disappeared and there's some sort of cycle. They're like cicadas or something. They're just kind of, they come back in a swarm again and then they disappear. Um, so basically that's what I understand. So that one that Saren was working with, he was afraid he was going to basically be wiped out if he didn't help them so he helped them 
But then, you know, we were able to take care of Sovereign, but we know they're they're still going to come back and it's still a threat that we have to be dealt with. So that's what I understand. And it's kind of this thing that they they kind of make reference to the fact that they know what's going to happen, right? Because in one part, Shepard's like, if, if you're such a big deal, how come most people don't know about you? And it's kind of like by design, right? A lot of the, the dialogue is, hey, you know, Sarah and everybody else is kind of like the pawns. Like, those are the ones that you see. You're not really supposed to to get to us. It's like the context that I kept getting from that. And it, I do think it's super cool that you as, a, as Shepard, it's how do you manage your emotions when you're going up against the council and nobody's believing you, even though you as a character, you're having these conversations, right, with the uh, with all the characters. And I, I really enjoyed that because you get upset about it and you, you, you want to have that reflect, right? You don't just want to be like super nice all the time, especially when you know you're right. Yeah. So, Keith, right. did your character have sexy time with anyone? I did. With who? We, me, me and Liara uh, had some sexy time. I had a feeling. <laughs> Li, Liara, Liara is my favorite of the romance options throughout the trilogy. Is there only I, two in this game? Is it either Ashley or Liara in this one? For male Shepherd, yes. For female Shepherd, what can she do? I is it just Caden? I <laughs> think it's just Caden. I can't... Yeah, I think that's right. I think it's just Caden in Mass Effect 1, and then in 2, they it include up. the option with with Garrus in there as well. Oh, I, I'm, I'm trying to, ooh, I'm trying to uh, remember. Oh, I gotta man. play the sequel. Oh, um, yeah. I want to get me some of that. Oh, <laughs> yeah. All right, oh, yeah. yeah. Let's, let's start Mass Effect 2 right now. I just can't remember if Garrus was an option in 1 you or not, but I know that. he is in 2. What about Garrus Rex? is my boy. <laughs> No, Rex is too much Krogan for uh, yeah. any Shepard. Does he go into his like white shield mode or whatever? Like, <laughs> <laughs> after oh, he finishes, the... he recharges in the white shield mode. <laughs> um, oh, I will say, I think the, is it Turian? Is that what they're called? The uh, Turians, Turians by Garrus? Yeah, that, yeah, that's what they're called. I think those are the like coolest designed like creatures or aliens or whatever in the mass effect like so far that i've seen like in the whole you know world building or whatever i really like their design i think they're a really like cool looking uh creature that they made for mass effect so i agree also shout out to the hanar what are those are those the uh <laughs> i don't know what or they're... is it no sorry i always get them mixed up hold on i'm gonna actually google it because there's one race i actually think it's the elcor that i met where they're the ones that exclaim their emotion before they talk and they go like genuinely excited hello human how are uh, you oh, today those are like the, the skinny questioning ones? how are you no they're the big lumbering ones <laughs> uh, i don't think i interacted with them yeah oh, okay yeah. i might have missed it I, I didn't do many i only did like a couple side quests on like pharos and then i stuck to the main mission and then it was kind of like i realized it was a little too late to go back and do other side stuff so i'll i'll, I'll make that more of a priority in two for sure yeah, but overall, uh, super happy at the fact that we finally got to talk about one of Keith's uh, favorite games of all time. And yeah, eventually we may be talking about uh, Mass Effect 2, but everybody... <laughs>
just like that, we talked about Mass Effect 1 from the Legendary Edition. What's been awesome is that ever since we started putting out these episodes, at least uh, for the time being, the Legendary Edition is available on Xbox Game Pass, which is freaking awesome. I mean, think about the fact that you have maybe, what, 60 to 100 hours of game content in just that one collection because maybe you want to go full in as a completionist with that game. In my case with Mass Effect 1, and I'll be talking about this in next week with our Mass Effect 2 review, with the first one, I wanted to get a pretty good experience, but... I was in no way ready to do a completionist run. And it's not that I did that with Mass Effect 2, but I was a lot more mindful as far as building relationships. If I had a little bit of a side quest and the text seemed interesting or the context or something, I would do it. And it's nice to have this one package where you can actually transfer your character from game to game, and that's what I'm doing. So when I eventually play Mass Effect 3, I'm going to be playing as the same Shepard. They'll remember many of the decisions that I made and all of that stuff, so hopefully you're uh, with us here for the ride. And just in case, if you are listening to us from Spotify, Spotify now has a rating system. So what's cool about that is that there's so many people listening to uh, to a podcast there. In my case, I was very resistant to that because to me, Spotify was a music platform. But now it's my music platform. It's my podcast platform. They tried to do video for a little while. I don't even know that's still an option. But anyway, please drop that five-star review over there. And if you're checking this out on Apple Podcast or anywhere else that you can drop a review, that would be greatly greatly appreciated. Another way you can support the podcast is if you go to Twitter, which is Quest Rewind Altogether, we sporadically post clips of the podcast where we're talking about a specific topic or something just to to generate a conversation. So sharing that would be greatly helpful. And as always, you can join the Discord, chat with us. That's going to be on on the uh, description of this. So now what's going to happen, folks, is next week, It is time to conclude our journey with the Xbox 360 as we talk about Mass Effect 2 from the Legendary Edition. After that, we'll be taking about a three-week, two-month break, more or less, give or take. We'll maybe be talking about that a little bit more during the conclusion of the episode, but we're always just uh, so damn thankful for your time because in a world with so many gaming podcasts out there and look we know there's a bunch we're not gonna we're not gonna pretend like we're this huge podcast right the fact that you support this little old podcast where it's featuring three people that we've known each other for 15 years people since uh 2004 or so we have developed this friendship and we get to grow older and also go back in time with all of you That's freaking awesome. So without further ado, thank you for checking out this episode of Quest Rewind, and we will catch you with a new one next week. Take care, everybody.